Hi, everybody. Happy Easter. And uh, what a pleasure it is to spend these moments with you. Uh, let me just say right off the bat, uh, we are missing you. And on this day, when uh, so many of us gather together, we're missing that uh, that time, but we're thankful, so thankful for this time, and and thankful for uh, a chance to do some uh, some drive-through communion today, and and uh, to see some of your faces through that. We're blessed for that, but uh, but we are grateful that it's Easter, and and on Easter we celebrate that Jesus is risen from the dead. We celebrate the resurrection, and let me tell you so that you get prepared. At the end, very end of this service today, after the at the end of the last song, we're going to do a song at the end. Uh, I'm going to say he is risen, and you're going to say he is risen indeed, wherever you are. And I'm going to say it a second time a little louder, and you're going to say it a second time, and I'm going to say it a third time, and I want you to say it a third time. And here's my hope. When you when you see we're getting towards the end of the service, we get into that last song, you'll be able to tell. Um, maybe you can sort of open the back patio door and step out there a little bit. And when I'm saying he is risen, you can kind of announce it to the world, and uh, you can go ahead and get a little louder, and let's... Let's let our neighborhoods know that he is risen indeed. And so get ready for that. And uh, we'll be doing that at the very end of our time together. At the very end, the very last song that we do, we'll do a song at the end of the message. But uh, that's what we're getting ready for. And so as we get ready to go here, I want to invite my, my lovely bride to come up and lead us in the reading of the word. Alice, would you please come? Hi, everybody. I just want to take this time to say hi to my family and my friends that are out there. Um, I, I just want to say hi to Laura and my brother Dan and Jim and Tom. <laughs> Sorry, I don't get the microphone much, but I miss you guys, and I'm thinking of you and praying for you all. And I don't know about you, but in this Easter Lenten season of, of so, so totally different, I've had more time to be still. And the more time I have to be still, the more time I have to connect with my insides and with the Lord. And I pray that that's been so for you as well. But let's, um, let's pray real quick, and then we'll read the word together. Father, we are so grateful for this season, for this Easter weekend, Lord. And I pray for everyone at the sound of my voice, Lord, that they would be blessed today, that they would be safe and, and well taken care of. Father, I pray that they would, able, they would have been able in this time to look inward and find you in deeper, richer ways. We just thank you, Father, for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Steve has asked me to read out of the book of John. This is the empty tomb, chapter 20, verse 1 and following. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. And said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and he believed. 
And they still not, did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Blessed be the word of God. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. So, uh, I've been uh, having to spend a little more time on Facebook than I normally do, um, just because we're trying to reach people and I'm watching the things that are happening virtually and all those other things. And, I, and so sometimes you see some other stuff. And I, I saw this thing on Facebook that I thought was the craziest thing. It was like professional slap fighting. And, and I was shocked by it, that these, they stand at a table like this, apart from each other, and they just line up and whack each other. Uh, and, and I was like, how can that be a, a sport? But you, you just never know these days. But it reminded me a little bit of a thing we used to do when we were kids. And uh, we had this thing where we used to say, let's see who can hit the lightest. I don't know if you've heard this. But the trick was you always had to go, you go first. And so they'd say, okay, and that, that person would come up and they'd just barely touch you, you know, with a try to be the lightest sort of hit you could get. And then, then it was your turn, and you would just haul off and hit him as hard as you can. And you'd go, you win. I don't know if anybody did that, but, but I was thinking about that with that slap fight thing. I'd want to be like that. I'm going to go first, and then I'm, okay, you win. I'm done. But uh, I heard about a, a couple of brothers who were getting ready to boil some eggs to color for Easter. And the older brother said to the younger one, listen, I'll give you, I'll give you $10 if you let me break three eggs over your head. And the little brother looked at him and said, you promise? And the older brother says, I promise. And so the younger brother said, okay, as long as you promise, go ahead. And so the older brother's all happy and he, he takes an egg and he breaks it over his little brother's head, you know, and the little brother deals with it. And the big brother takes a second egg and he breaks it over the little brother's head, you know, and he's just kind of all happy about it. And then, and then nothing else happens. And the little brother says, well, come on, aren't you going to break the third egg? And the big brother says, well, no, then I'd owe you $10. And, uh, I was kind of thinking that, that life is sort of filled with empty promises like that. And, and that we, we go through those things in the course of our lives. You know, something sounds too good to be true. It, it probably does. And it, it doesn't take long till we've been fooled enough to know that the, the world's promises are often full of emptiness. And I, I think sometimes people then might sort of think maybe that's true with God too, you know, because God is a God of promises. Over 7,000 um, promises in the scripture that God gives us. And, and we live in a world full of broken promises and unfilled expectations. And even in ourselves, you know, sometimes we make commitments, we don't follow through. And, and uh, we, we might even have made promises and plans that we never really even intended to keep. But see, God is different. And that's really good news. And on that very first Easter Sunday, instead of promises full of emptiness, God gave us some empty things that are full of promise. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. I want to talk about three promises of Easter. And each of these promises is marked by something empty. And I want to talk about an empty cross and, and, a, and a pile of empty grave clothes and an empty tomb. And we're going to see how God fulfills promises in those things. In fact, that that each of those things are empty is a, it shows us that God keeps his promises. So let's look at the first thing here is that the cross was empty. On that first Easter Sunday, the cross was empty. If you were to re- return to the scene of Christ's ex- uh, execution that Sunday morning, you would find that the cross was empty. That there would have been traces of Jesus having been there. I am thinking there would have been a, a, a that horrible crown of 
thorns that had been twisted and would be all bloodied on, on the ends that had been in his head. There, there would be some dirty, rusty, blood-covered nails, probably still in the process. And that cross would have been covered in, in blood. But not just any blood. The blood of Jesus. The, the blood of the Lamb of God. In, in, in John chapter 1, verse 29... It says this, it says the next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, it was sin that led Jesus to the cross. Lies, jealousy, anger, betrayal. But, but you know, not the lies of the accusers, not the jealousy of the priests that were there, not the anger of the crowd, not even the betrayal of Jesus, Judas. But it was our sins, it was our lies, it was our jealousy, it's our anger, it's our betrayal that put Jesus on the cross. Romans 6.23, Paul said, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, it's, it's because of our sin that Jesus went to the cross. And, and our sin, the, the, the penalty, the punishment for our sin was death. It's a bigger punishment than we can pay. But, but, but the grace of God is more than you can imagine. And so God does an amazing things on the cross with our sin. Listen to, again to what Paul says in Colossians 2, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. See, there on the cross, the empty cross, is the, it fulfills the promise of forgiveness. Because of what Jesus has done, we can be forgiven. And because we've been forgiven for all of that mess that we've done, we can be reconciled to God. Jesus made a way for our relationship with God to be restored. The empty cross is an amazing promise of forgiveness. Second, the grave clothes were empty. Now, this is a really interesting point. So, Jesus dies on the cross. And that's a big part of what happened. Jesus died there on the cross. And, and, uh, and so they, they, uh, they go and get him from the cross. And there's two guys that do that. It's Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Both of these guys were Pharisees who had sort of secretly believed in Jesus and even though they were reluctant during the course of his life to show it, this is a very sort of public display of their... It was a very courageous thing they did, was to go in to get Jesus' body and to prepare it for burial. And in John 19, verse 38, it says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. And taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices and strips of linen. And this was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Now, we've been mentioning a little bit uh, the Apostle John. We've, we read our scripture reading was about him. And, and I want to think about him and his take on this just for a moment. Because um, he really witnessed these things firsthand. They, they'd all kind of taken off and run and hidden. And some of the women were still there. But John was kind of hanging around in the distance through all of this. And so he sees what's taking place. And he saw uh, this happening with Jesus. That, that they were taking his body. And they were taking these strips of linen. These burial clothes. And they were taking him to a tomb. And they were going to close that, that tomb. And, and you know, 
John didn't know on Friday what we know right now. And they had put all their faith in Jesus. They had believed that Jesus was who he was. And this was just dashing their hopes. They couldn't believe what was taking place. They, they were sure that, that this was God in human flesh. And yet they'd, they'd seen what happened and they're on the cross and the, and the, and the blood on the cross and, it, and all those things. And now it's gonna, this body's gonna be wrapped and, and the tomb is gonna be sealed. All these doubts are swirling in their minds and really it would have been a crushing blow to John's faith. And I'm thinking maybe you can relate to that. Maybe in the course of our lives, uh, when things happen that are difficult for us to explain or to understand, sometimes it, it might really impact um, our faith a little bit. And, and I, I'm thinking maybe even now, as we go through some of these difficult things together, that, that this is hard on people and people might have questions about what's happening and maybe, you know, where, where's God in the midst of this and what's taking place? But see, what we learn from John is this, that, that you just need to hang in there. You just need to hang in there when things get going hard. Because we don't know what John did on Saturday. We, the Bible doesn't tell us what was going on, and so we can't talk about that. But we do know that when Sunday came, John was still present. He was still around. He'd still been hanging on. See, John chose to linger in the midst of not really knowing what was taking place. And because he lingered on Saturday, he got to see the miracle on Sunday of the resurrection. He got to be a witness of that very early thing. So very early on, on Easter Sunday morning, Mary comes running back with this news that she gives to John and Peter. And she says, Jesus' body is missing. It's missing. And John and Peter, they get up and they go running to the tomb because they, they don't know what's happened. And, uh, uh, you know, she, she thinks somebody, Mary's like something, somebody's taken the body away. And so they go running to the tomb. And when John looks in there, something happens when John looks into the tomb that I think is fascinating. And, and it's what he saw. And, and look at this, verse 5. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. He looked and saw the linen and everything sort of sitting there. Simon Peter, it says, who was behind him, arrived, And he went into the tomb and, and he saw uh, the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. And, and the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he saw and believed. John looks in and he sees something in that empty pile of grave clothes. And here's what he sees. See, this is, this is John. John looked in and he realized that if somebody had come in and stolen that body, they wouldn't have taken the time to unwrap it of all these grave clothes and pile them neatly in the thing. I think all that was there so, so Jesus would let John know, see, I'm still around. I just didn't need these grave clothes because I'm not dead. I've defeated death. I've risen again. I'm alive. And John gets it. And it changes John immediately. What's he do? He looks in and he believes. He sees it and he believes. He knows something has happened. See, he was, he, because he lingered, he was there to see a miracle and he gets it, he gets it right away. So that the empty grave clothes, see, they, they promise us hope. And, and I want you to know that, that God cares about you so much and he cared about John so much that, that even on that day, he, he took and left a sign for John so that John could have hope and John could know an empty pile of clothes restores John's hope. And God wants to do the same for all of us. He wants to do the same for you. And, and so if your faith gets shaken a little bit, when doubts or fears begin to well up inside, I want you to remember the empty grave clothes. See, don't, don't, don't ever leave God. Don't, 
you linger, you hang on. You just never know when that miracle's coming. You just never know. It could be the next hour or the next day, but it's coming because God's got you and he's with you and he's for you. And, and those, that empty pile of clothes for John was all the proof that he needed that Jesus had defeated death and risen again. He saw and he believed. Third, let's talk about the empty tomb. The empty tomb. So, after Peter and John discovered the empty clothes, they, they head back. But Mary and, and some of, of, of the other female followers of Jesus, they kind of lingered at the empty tomb. And suddenly, angels appeared to them. Listen to what they said. Matthew 28, 5 and 6. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. See, the, the, the tomb of Jesus remained empty as a symbol of life that outlasts the grave. It's a symbol of everlasting life. In other words, that empty tomb promises forever. If, if you didn't get a chance to watch my sunrise message, go back and read it because it's an amazing thing of what happens in the gardens and how, how from the Garden of Eden to the Garden of Gethsemane to this garden at the tomb, how God is at work and what Jesus has done and how Adam, Adam turned his garden into a grave, but Jesus turns his grave into a garden and in the process restores us back to that original garden experience. See, because that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to experience full and abundant now and forever life. If you were with us uh, in, over the last couple of months, we did a series that I called All Things New. And we kept looking at this passage in Revelation 25, 21, verse 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new, and then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. See, people, most people today are, are really just hoping for a long and happy life. But what I want to tell you is that Jesus offers so much more than that. He offers forever. He offers eternity. And, and, and the promise of eternal life, really, it's, it's the heartbeat of hope. It's what we're looking forward to as believers. Those of us who, who follow Jesus, we have this amazing promise of life coming to us, not just now, but forever. We, we look in that passage in Revelation about all things new, and we understand that there's a time when Jesus comes back, when the earth is restored, and we are given new physical bodies, and we will dwell with Him here forever. And we have an amazing life that's coming. But he's already impacted us now eternally. And that life begins now with him, this full and abundant life. And, and we have all these amazing promises. And listen, if, if you haven't received God's promises yet, if you haven't embraced these promises, I want to encourage you to do so now. And the way that you do that is, is that you believe in your heart what's taken place at Easter, what God has done, what Jesus has come to do by willingly going to the cross and taking his perfect sinless life and exchanging it for ours. That he lived the life that we couldn't. He willingly then went to the cross where he died. And then he was buried. And then he defeated death. And he rose again. 
And, and it's in believing in that that changes everything for you. Listen to this scripture from the Apostle Paul. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified and it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. See, it's, it's in that very action that we come to know Jesus. And, and my hope is, and I know we're doing this virtually, but, but many of you um, haven't taken the time to make this simple prayer and confession of faith that changes everything, that invites Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your, of your life. And, and so, if you haven't done it, I want, I want you to do it today. And really, we just, we just pray that scripture. We, we, uh, we, we believe in our hearts that Jesus did what he did, and that God raised him from the dead, and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. And, and I just want you to say that. And if you would just pray that prayer with me, I'll just say it with you right now. It, it's something like this. It's just, Lord, Lord Jesus, will you forgive me of all my sin? And will you come into my heart and be my Lord and my Savior? In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. That prayer changes everything. And listen, if you prayed that today, I, I, I want you to do something. We, we're, we're trying something because we want to celebrate you, with you. Normally we'd have people here and we would be able to celebrate together. But I want you to do this. We have this little text in church number. And, and I'm going to put the number up. 305-745-7513. If you prayed that prayer with me, could you just take a moment and text the word heart to that number? Heart. It's, it's a heart thing that you just did. You asked Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. And I want to just celebrate with you and rejoice with you. And so if you would take a moment and do that, that would be, that would be an amazing thing so we can celebrate with you. And I believe that, that there's going to be a lot of you who've made that decision and pray that prayer. And we want to celebrate and rejoice with you. I also want to say this. As I kind of stand here today in an empty facility, that, that it strikes me that God is using and will use this in a mighty way. In the same way that he used an empty cross, an empty grave clothes, and an empty tomb. Empty facilities all around the world today. Don't think that God can't take that and use that in ways that we can't even imagine. And, and I just believe that in the coming days, that, that all of us are going to appreciate even more the amazing grace of God that we have that allows us to fellowship and gather together almost all the time. And I, and I also believe that we will never again take that for granted. That, that we will see in a whole new way. That, that perhaps because we've been so accustomed to it, that, that, that maybe we haven't realized the goodness and the grace of God that we have in gathering together as a community. And I believe that God's going to take all of that and that he's drawing us even closer to now virtually so that when we're back together again, it's going to renew and refresh the church and it's going to spark a revival in the world that's going to change everything. And I believe that's how God's going to take an empty facility and change it to change the world. And I want you to understand that and know that as well. And that, that we'll meet together soon and we'll worship the King of Kings and it's going to change us in ways and, and we're going to experience Him in deeper ways than we've ever experienced before and that will impact the world around us for Him. Okay. Also, listen, we've been amazed by your generosity in this time, that allows us to continue to bless the community. We've been out there doing outreaches. We did another great outreach here early Saturday today, just getting to bless people with 
food and with supplies and paper goods. And, and it's all possible because you guys are so amazingly generous. I've been able to say that for my entire ministry, and I'm so blessed by being with a group of people that's just generous. And, and so, again, if you're able, if you're in that spot, please remember to, to give, even though we're not meeting with you. Can We have um, ways for you to give uh, text and giving. There's a different number for that than the one I gave you earlier. Um, you can go to the website, and that's there, and you can, you can log on, and then you can go to the donate or the digital giving button. You can mail offerings and please don't mail in cash but uh, uh, you can do all those things and also look I get it too some of you are out of work and stuff and I it's okay that's a, this isn't pressure this is just for those of you that are able we're blessed by your generosity and we just want to continue to encourage that and let that happen and so here in uh, a couple of minutes I'm going to I'm going to join with the band and we're going to do a last song and at the end of that song you're going to hear me say, He is risen, at the very end. I, I'm not kidding. I want you to say, He is risen indeed. And I want you to sort of sneak out into your back patios or open your doors real big or whatever. And I want you, I know it's kind of different, but you get out there and say, He is risen indeed. I'm going to do it a second time, and I want you to do it a little louder. I'm going to do it loud the third time. I want you to go as loud as you can. I want to hear reports that crazy people were saying, He is risen indeed, all over the neighborhoods, wherever they are, and all over the world. You know, we have people watching this stream all over the world. We're amazed at how many people are watching, not just here in the Keys, but all over the world. Wherever you're at, you get out there and you celebrate, He is risen indeed, and we'll be doing it with you. All right, God bless you guys. We love you. We miss you. We love, you know, we'd love to see you. Those of you who can, drive through for communion tomorrow. And, and for the rest, may the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. We'll see you as soon as we absolutely can. Crown of thorns placed on his head. He knew that he would soon be dead. He said, Did you forget me, Father? Did you? They nailed him to a wooden cross. Soon all the world would feel the loss of Christ the King before his hallelujah. Hallelujah. Prepared to die And lifted his face up to the sky Said, I am coming home now, Father, to you A reed which held his final sip Was gently lifted to his lips He drank his last and gave his soul to glory
Ah. 
God, you're so good, Lord. You're so faithful. We love you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to our live stream this year. If you need anything, let us know. We're praying for you. We love you. You guys have a great day. Enjoy it. We'll see you soon. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.